0: Well, these are certainly unusual times that we're living in, right? I mean, who would have imagined three four months ago that uh, we'd be coming to church for the last time for several months, that we'd have to start wearing masks everywhere you go. Anybody ready to accept that for life yet? I do not think so. Drive you nuts. Uh, not sure how much of it is real, how much of it is... Let aside, how so much of it is exaggerated. Yes, elements of all of those, but certainly unusual times that we're living in. And many of you are thinking to yourselves, what is happening in our world? Uh, every day, I guess, just when you think you can't be shocked anymore, you're shocked again. Just when you think, what more can somebody say or do? They say something or do something that you're just going, whoa. Um, We're just wondering, what is going on and how did we get here? How did we get to this point? Is Is anybody else buffaloed by all this? I mean, you're just like, wow. I mean, honestly, I've been to several countries of Africa. You know, Liberia and Ghana and Kenya and Togo. I don't see this stuff there. India, Mexico, parts maybe, but it's just chaos, everywhere you look, every direction. And then there's those thoughts of how do I respond, just more questions. How do I respond to all this? Maybe you don't have this pulling inside of you, you know, like maybe I do, but there's days that, there's some days where I just want to like, I just want to scream. I want to scream, <laughs> wake up, you idiot. But that's not the godly thing to do, right? So you can't be unspiritual and call somebody an idiot, right? So you can't do that. Because that's just not godly. And pastors shouldn't say that and think that. And Well, either should other Christians, but, you know, we do. But you want to scream. You say, what is going on? Um, how, how should I be feeling about all this? I mean, should I support this group or this group or not that group and not that group? And, you know, I mean, but here's the thing. If I say fill in the blank, somebody's upset with me, right? It don't matter what side you fall on in any of this stuff, whether you think the coronavirus is a hoax or whether it's real or whether it's exaggerated or whether it's political. If I say this about it, this section is upset with me and this, is, this, this section agrees with me. If I do, someone is angry with me. If I believe, someone is disappointed that I can actually believe that. Fill in the blank. All kinds of emotions, all kinds of feelings. And you will still come back to it how am I supposed to deal with all this? How am I supposed to deal with it? Because quite honestly, a lot of us are just tired of it. But then there's in the back of our mind the reality that it's probably not going to go away. Whether it's real or exaggerated, it's not going anywhere. It's here. Has anybody come to the idea that maybe there's going to be a new norm for the next several years? Possibly. We don't want to think that way. We don't want to possibly believe that. But there's going to be a new norm. But these are certainly unprecedented times. None of us here has gone through anything like this. It's all new. But one thing we have to know is this. That God is sovereign and nothing that has happened, that is happening now, that will happen, is a surprise to him. Right? He knows about all of it. He knows everything that we're facing. He knows everything that we are going to face. He knows everything that we have faced. He knows it all and he's in control of it all. God's Word tells us that the King's king's heart is in God's hands. He knows what's going on. He knows everything. And it's not a surprise to him. But we wake up every morning and say, I oh, God knew this was going to happen. Of course he knew. He's God. He knew everything that we'll be facing. He's God. Let's not forget that. And we live in a broken world, don't we? Isn't the world just falling apart all around us? Anybody else sense that? Uh, I've never, and I've said this for many years, you've heard me say it before, but I've never seen anything get better with time. I've never had a pair of tires that didn't wear out. I mean, the rubber just got better as you went. Never had a water heater that didn't leak after 35, 40 years. Never had a roof that just never for 200 years needed to be replaced. Things don't get better. Nothing in history does. And because of that, we live in a broken world. So, despite the condition of the broken world we live in, despite everything that is or is not taking place according to our expectations, despite how I may or may not feel about all this, God's plans for you and me have not and will not change. Do you believe that? God's plans have not changed. Nobody can thwart God's plans. Nobody can. There is no circumstance so great that it's going to overcome what God wants to take place. He's in control. And the reality is, what is it that God wants? And we, talk, we ask these questions all the time. Every time someone gets sick, they get a cancer, they get an illness, they get in an accident, they get into some unforeseen circumstance, we ask this question. What is it that God's trying to teach me through this? And how can I bring glory to God through this? Those things aren't natural. Would you agree? It's not natural to say, Woo-hoo-hoo! "I'm so excited that we're going to go through all this garbage." Woo! I'm so excited we just get to like wake up and see all the rioting and the looting and everybody's in chaos. Yes, it's not normal, is it? But neither is it normal to say, "God, what do you want me to learn through all this?" We have to do what is not normal for God to work in these circumstances for us. But God's plans for you and I are not changed because of everything that's going on. There are certain constants, there are certain absolutes that don't change because of the circumstances. Optimism, positive thinking. So that'll do, that'll work, right? I mean, if I just stay positive. No, because has anybody gotten a little bit depressed for all this? I have. There are just some days I'm just irritated with it, angry with it, upset about it. I really do believe that this thing is killing, indirectly, a lot of older folks that are in isolation. I, for the love of God, cannot understand why when a handful of elderly people who live together and, and breathe together and eat together and sleep in rooms right beside each other cannot have a meal together. That blows my mind. I don't comprehend that. It'd be one thing if they're outsiders coming in, but they're not. They have to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner by themselves. I don't understand that. Isolation is killing people because God did not design us to be isolated or insulated from one another. He made us to fellowship. But just being optimistic or Having positive thoughts is not going to change all this. So, if you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter three this morning, so we're going to be for a little while. Psalm chapter three. How should you respond when it seems like life is falling apart? Because it really feels like life is falling apart in a lot of areas, doesn't it? I, I, maybe it's me. Maybe you got it all together. Maybe you got got it to where everything's just like. Clicking along, just perfect, but I, I, I don't have it that way. In my mind, it's chaos, and I just want it back to the way it used to be. At least some the best parts of what it used to be. But Psalm chapter 3, if you would follow along as I begin reading this. It says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who save me. There is no help for him in God. Selah. And I don't know if you have taken a moment... When you read through scripture, every once in a while you'll come across that word Selah. It means to just stop and think about this. Whatever was just said, stop just for a moment and meditate on it. This is not an opportunity to say, oh, check, got my reading done today. This is a moment to say, I'm just going to stop. And what am I stopping to think about? Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. (laughs) Is that today? Yeah. Many are they who rise up against me? Yeah. Many are they who say to me, there is no help for me. They they can't do a thing about it. Okay. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. Who have set themselves against me all around? Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God! For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone; you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. If we are wise, we will do exactly what the psalmist did in this ver- in this chapter. You'll go to God. It's really easy to go to everyone else. Everyone around us, they're going to give you a sympathetic ear. They're going to listen to everything you have to say and even chime in and give their true sense about everything that's taking place. But if we are wise, our first and foremost communication ought to be with God. We need to be going to Him, and that's exactly what we see here, is that the psalmist went to God for help during these troubled times. But we see four things in this passage. Number one, we see that there is an enemy. There is an enemy. Look again at verses 1 and 2. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Let me just ask you a question. Just kind of put it out there as a practical application. How many feel like there's an increase in trouble around you? Anybody not feel that way? I mean, just goodness. Turn on any news outlet. Look at any newspaper. Listen to any radio station and the news that will come on, you'll find out that there's more and more and more and more and more rioting and looting and unrest. And we're all about diversity and acceptance as long as you agree with what I agree with. But if you don't, watch out. We're going to keep the trouble going, the struggle. There's an enemy. You have to know that as a child of God. You have to just realize that there is an enemy. In fact, there are a couple of verses here I want you to notice. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Does not God's word remind us that there is an enemy all around us? And the enemy is not the person that we're looking at. We want to put all of our grudges and all of our anger and all of our frustration towards the person that we're looking at. But the reality is the the real enemy is Satan himself. The real enemy is the one who does not know Jesus Christ. We cannot expect an unsaved world to act and live like a saved person, right? So the reality is the world that we're we're in, the world that we live in, is filled full of people who do not know Jesus Christ. There's an enemy. You have to know that. And in fact, 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about seeking whom he may what? Devour. He is looking for those that He can devour. We have an enemy. And you have to know that. And if we want to put our heads in the sand and pretend it's not there, we need to wake up and realize that there is an enemy around us. And because there's an enemy, we have to be on guard. We have to know what we believe. We have to know what we're going to stand for. And we need to know who is going to stand with us, right? There's an enemy. And the enemy is not going away. And we see in Psalm chapter 3, uh, in verse 2, it says, Many are they who save me. There is no help of him from God. In fact, the enemy believes that they're so strong. They believe that they've got so much power and so much might. They even have the idea in the back of their mind that you can even have a, enemy, a, 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 a strength and a protection, but he's not going to do anything for you. We're stronger. But God's words reminds us, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So yes, we have an enemy. We have one who can overcome the enemy. The attacks are going to continue. The attacks are not going to stop. And you can practically apply what the attacks are in so many different areas. Emotional attacks. Right? Isolation attacks. Sinful attacks. Attacks from those who don't agree with you. The attacks are going to continue Because the enemy is real. Number two. You have to know who your protector is. And we see that in verses three and four. It says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. Do you know what a shield is? I mean, think about that just for a moment. How many of you had a pretty imaginative mind when you were a kid? Did anybody ever pretend that you had a shield? I love the Bender boys. (laughs) This is awesome. They come in all with a shield. Pastor Ken, you know who I am today? And I don't really know who they are. I'm like, no, but tell me. And then they tell me their shield. You know, they got their shield that protects against the nerf darts. And the swords. But you know what? You know what a shield does? It shields you. It protects you. And for the child of God, it says that he is our shield. In other words, yes, the fiery darts of the wicked are going to come. But guess what? God will help us and protect us and shield us from those darts. Unless we don't have that shield, or we're not walking with that shield in place. Over just a few chapters in Psalm chapter 27, the first five verses are great verses. It says, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Kind of just a rhetorical question answer. Who, who do we have to be afraid of? Nobody. Ah, there we go. Not, it's not a trick question, really. We have no one to be afraid of. It says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though a war raise up against me, In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, high upon a rock. Question is if we are looking at all the enemy, our spirits are going to be discouraged. We're going to be feeling low. But when we know God is our protector, when we know that God is our shield, we have confidence. And we can have confidence in the fact that He is our shield. That's why he says in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. One of the things that I remember my dad doing when I was just a young man in junior high, it was my dad who taught me to stand up. My dad would do two things as a Teenager irritated the fire out of me. He would do this number. If I was looking towards my dad and talking and I wasn't look giving him eye contact, he would just kind of gently take his finger. I hated that. The other one was he would take my shoulders and push them back. Stand up. I will never forget those two gestures. He made me stand up straight, and he made me look look him in the eye. Why? He is my Father. And when we start looking at things like that, in light of what he said here in verse 4, You are a shield, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Why? Because what he is telling me is important. He wanted me to hear clearly what he had to say. And I believe that God is saying, look at me. He lifts up our head. Why? Because he wants us to focus on him. Because when my focus, just like Peter, see, Peter had a choice to make. When he got out of the boat, he could look at the waves or he could look at Jesus. Which one saved him? Jesus. What one caused him to sink? Looking at the waves. And every one of us, we can look at the struggle, we can look at the trial, we can look at the waves. Or we can focus on jesus the lifter of our head and then he goes out and says i cried to the lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill where if you look back in history where were a lot of the safe castles where were the places of safety up high think about that often up high why so you can overlook down below and who may be coming against you We have to know who our protector is, folks. It's God. He's the one that's going to be there for us. Number three, know that God will give you peace. I don't have to live in fear. In fact, he says in verses 5 and 6, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Now think about that just for a moment. He said there's enemies all around me. In fact, the enemies are so confident that they think that you have no protector There are enemies increasing all around you. They're going to become more and more and more. But I know I have a shield. And because I know who my protector is, I can safely lay down and sleep, though the enemy is outside my door. Get the picture of that in your head just for a moment. Um, And everything that's going on in our world... I think of several of those places like seattle and chicago and atlanta and minneapolis if i lived in the city if you lived in the city how many of you think that with all the rioting and everything that's going on that you would just kind of lay down and fall asleep without a care in the world anybody think you might have some concerns going to bed at night gunshots are going off all around you the first night they shut down the police departments in Atlanta, four precincts. The first night there was gunfights in the streets all over the place. 13 people died the first night. I think 75 people died in Chicago last week. With all the unrest that's going on, how many of you think you could just like go to sleep and not have a care in the world? that ah, 's it's all good. Boom, boom, bang, boom. And just not care. That's the picture. Chaos all around us But I'm going to safely go to sleep and rest. Why? Because my peace comes from the one who sustains me. And protects me. Isn't that awesome? I realize in the context of all this and what David is saying here, I believe. But with all the chaos, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. And he says here, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. Who have set themselves against me all around. I remember hearing the story of one of the missionaries that came to Northland. Daryl Champlin. And I remember hearing the story of how he went into this particular village in Suriname. And as he was there preaching the gospel. There was tribal witch doctors that were angry with him. And upset with him. I don't understand how all this stuff works. Here's what I do know is that when they were angry and upset at Daryl Champlin for preaching the gospel, they came by the hundreds and wanted to attack his hut where he lived in Suriname. But they could do nothing. And next day, through the interpreter, they said, who were the giants that were protecting you? We want to know who they were. Those villagers... In their minds and eyes, they saw somebody protecting Daryl Champlin and his hut. Can you imagine that? A God so powerful that no matter what's going on, will still give you peace. There are several verses I want to highlight with this. Oops, that's my notes there. Philippians chapter 4. If would we'll turn there just for a moment. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for what? Nothing. Well, be anxious when the guns go flying. Be anxious when the bombs go off. Be anxious when the economy tanks. Be anxious when you can't find the TP at Wigman's. Be anxious, <laughs> right? Because there are certain things that you're allowed to be anxious over. Certain things are acceptable areas of anxiousness, right? He says be anxious for nothing. But in everything by what? Prayer. Prayer. So, whenever anything that could potentially cause anxiousness comes into our life, our response should be prayer and supplication. Letting our request be made known to God. And then he says, In the peace of God, which passes all understandings. Man, that's peace. How about Romans chapter 8? Two verses here I want to look at. There's a big passage here, but verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Rhetorical question, the answer is no one, no thing. And verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord bottom line is we can have confidence because our god is with us and he'll give us peace and in psalm chapter 4 verse 8 it says salvation belongs to the lord and your blessing upon is upon your people he's our salvation and because of that we can have peace and then number four know that believing god changes everything i don't know about you but there's been times in my life where i made a commitment i prayed to god and i committed this thing to god and then things kind of just kind of calm down. Things get, kind of get back to quote unquote normal. And also we slip into old patterns again. Anybody ever done that before? You made a commitment, but then you find yourself going back on that commitment? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. Oh, okay, a couple of you. That's good. You're honest. We're not perfect. You see, in verse one, we know that he went to the Lord. And then back verse 7, he goes back to him again in this continuation of prayer. He says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Wow. Anybody ever watch those old Godfather movies? Anybody willing to admit that you've watched some of those? I remember seeing a scene that I will never forget because I can't unsee it in my mind. The mobster mobster father, godfather, whatever his name is, the the head dude. He was mad at this guy over here because he did something I don't even know what it was because I was only like in junior high and I don't remember what he did. But the way he took care of this guy is that he put his face against a curb and then kicked it and broke his teeth. I wish I could unsee that. I can't imagine how painful that would be. In your mind, you just got a vivid picture of Oh, that cannot feel good. But it's amazing that God uses a visible, vivid picture like that. I mean, think about it. I can't imagine anything pleasant about verse 7 in the middle. You have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. Ouch. That can't sound good. Um you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Ah. You know what that tells me? That God is a just God. And he doesn't just say I'll oh, go away. Come on, now go away. Come on, just 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 go away. Come on. everyone play nice, go away. God does not do that. He with power and justice and judgment takes care of the enemy. You see, the problem is we want to play God sometimes. <laughs> we want to play God because we can take care of this. And God says, I'll take care of the enemy. You have broken the teeth, the ungodly. Oh, I don't know about you, but a, a toothache hurts. I can't imagine having a mouthful of broken teeth. But that's how strong our God is. That's how just he is. say, well, a, a loving God would never do that. Yes, he would. Because he is a loving God. Because he does want to protect us. Because he does want us to have peace amidst the struggle. That's exactly why he does this. And he's reminded in verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. Just stop and think about what he just said he would do to the enemy. Is there any doubt that God loves us? Is there any doubt in the psalmist's mind that he is serving a God who is all-powerful and loves him so much that he would protect him from all the enemy? He knows that salvation comes from God and belongs to Him. So know that believing in God changes everything. And you know there's something I've never been able to do. That is to change a person's heart. And let me just say for a second, I didn't say I couldn't make somebody do something. There's been times in my life I could make somebody do something that I wanted them to do. I've made my kids clean the room when they didn't want to do it when they were younger. I've made them take the trash out. I've made them do projects around the house. I've made them do this or that. But you know one thing I've never been able to do to anybody under the sun? Is change their heart. You see, only God can do that. Only God can take a person who is far from Him, reveal truth to Him, and open a door of opportunity to trust Him. Only God can change a heart. And the challenge for all of us as God's children is to stay faithful and obedient in the midst of difficult and uncertain times. Our knee-jerk reaction is that we want to respond to everything that's going on, and we really do, right? I mean, we want to have an opinion, we want to say a word, we want to have a thought about it, we want to get invoked in that, that, that uh, conversation, and we, and we do. We talk about it because that's just what we do. It's our human nature. We want to discuss everything that's going on and get irritated about it and ramp up on each other's opinions and feelings and emotions. And... But the challenge for all of us is really to stay faithful and obedient. Does a pandemic justify us not being obedient? No. Do times of uncertainty justify us not putting our faith and trust in God? No. Do times of unrest give us justification as to not walk in obedience? No. See, all these things have to stay in line. All these things, have I mean, that's what God is there for, to help us through all these things. And what I've found out in life is I'm responsible for me. Regardless of what anyone else may or may not do. And that's a big enough job. <laughs> Anybody else feel that way? I am stinking good at making excuses. And justifying my thoughts, my words, my actions, my reactions. I can't take responsibility for anyone else around me and what they do. They will stand before God. You will stand before God for what you do, what you say, what you act to and react to. But I find in my own life, it's a big enough job just to take care of this and to take care of me. But here's what I know. I know that believing God changes everything. I know that the enemy is going to be there. It's not going away. I know that he is my protector. And I know that he can give me peace amidst the chaos. And I know that changing or believing God changes everything. I don't know about you, but I need these reminders. Because I want to take care of stuff. (laughs) I want to handle things how I want to handle things. Anybody else like that? I have to rest in him. I have to. Because if I don't, my mind goes places it doesn't need to go. Fearful places. Places I don't want to think about. I think about the next generation. If I don't like what's going on, I can't imagine what the next generation is going to have to face. That is fearful to me. If I let my mind go there long enough, it's almost dark and dreary, right? Those of you that have young children yet, you think about it. Those of you that are older and have grandchildren, you think about it. What's the next generation going to look like in the world that they live in? We all have this idea that, yes, yeah, it'll pass. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I, I I'm not optimistic it's not going to go away right away. Therefore, I have to put my hope and trust in the one thing that does not change, and that's God. Anyone else need that reminder? I need that. And I hope that you'll take that to heart this morning. Four truths from Psalm 3. The enemy is there. Number one. Number two. You have a protector. Number three. That protector will give you peace amidst the chaos. And number four. Trusting God will change everything. Let's apply that this week. Lord. Thank you for the opportunity. To look at your word today. And I trust God that you will. Work in all of our hearts, Lord, to draw us closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for just being real to us. For being in control. For working in those circumstances that we cannot work in. For you to show yourself strong. For you to give peace through it all. God, we thank you for who you are. And I pray, God, that you would help us to increase our faith, our trust, And God, would you just work in all of our hearts to draw us closer to you? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just ask for a few moments this morning. Maybe this morning, you say, Pastor, I needed that. I'm struggling with everything that's going on. You're struggling with having peace amidst the chaos. You're worried about some things, but you say, Pastor, that's just what I needed this morning. Would you pray for me that God would just be real? That God would increase my faith and trust in him? That God would just show me that he's in control Pastor, would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yeah, many of us. Many of us. Can I just encourage you to take just one minute? Right there where you're at. Yes, others are raising your hands, nodding your heads. Just take a moment right there where you're at. Just take a moment and pray. As the psalmist was doing. Maybe you pray this prayer. Lord, how they... Have increased who trouble me. You can identify with the psalmist there. Many are those who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, There is no help for him and God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. The psalmist says, "I cried to the Lord with my voice, and He heard me from His holy hill." And then He said, "I lay down and slept." Lord, give me peace. Help me sleep. Help me rest in You, and in Your protection. I'll not be afraid of ten thousands of people. Find Your confidence in God. Arise, O Lord, save me. O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Lord God, we pray that as the psalmist prayed, that it might be true and real in our hearts and our lives this day. And God, I pray that you'd work in all of our hearts to increase our faith, to God, to seek your presence, to just, Lord, trust you in everything that happens day after day after day hour after hour minute after minute knowing that you're in control and we'll praise you for it. be with each one who raised their hand their heart toward you this day may they sense your presence and work in their lives we pray in jesus name amen